In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Peter wants to know, How many times shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? Up to seven times? At this question, the ears of every Christian perk up, because the rest of us also want to know, at what point am I allowed to cut my brother off? When does forgiveness run out? When can I be justified in saying to my brother, you've crossed the line and there's no way back? Seven seems like a very generous number, merciful yet firm. But Jesus answers, I do not say to you seven times, but 70 times seven. I like to imagine uneducated Peter trying to tally this up on his fingers. But 70 times seven is not meant to be counted. Jesus is not telling us where to find the limit on forgiveness. He's telling us that there is no limit. To illustrate this, Jesus tells a parable using astronomical figures. A man owes his Lord a debt of 10,000 talents. The word debt here is the same word we find in the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. You are this man, and the parable speaks of your debt of sin. It's incalculable. A talent was a man's weight in gold. And right now, an ounce costs nearly $2,000. Imagine your weight in gold, and now multiply that by 10,000. But actually, the Greek word for 10,000 that's used here, myriad, could easily be translated as infinity. The debt is truly beyond counting. The psalmist says, who can know his errors? Indeed, is it even possible to calculate our debt of sin? If the first sin earns each of us an eternity in hell, then what have we justly deserved by a lifetime of sins? But even greater than our debt is the mercy of God. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. This king is God. And our Lord does not want this vast debt hanging over our heads. He desires to settle accounts now. It's actually an act of mercy that God refuses our request for more time. We say, have patience with me, Lord. I will pay you everything But more time wouldn't help. The interest is piling up faster than we could ever pay. We would only dig our hole deeper, and our Lord doesn't want to drag this out any longer. We are settling accounts now, at this moment. And how does God settle accounts? For the sake of my Son, Jesus Christ, I declare unto you the forgiveness of all your sins. God doesn't say, ah, don't worry about your debt. He doesn't say, it's nothing. He says, your very real debt is forgiven. 
Real forgiveness is the only solution for real sin. And God gives it freely with no conditions, no payment plans, no prior promises of good behavior. He simply forgives for the sake of Christ and his cross. The first half of Jesus' parable teaches us about the unfathomable mercy of God. But the second half is a warning to those who might reject God's mercy. This man who had been forgiven an infinite debt went out and began choking a fellow servant who owed him 100 silver coins. Without doubt, you are the man who was forgiven everything. And you want to be this man, the one who is the undeserving recipient of God's forgiveness. But you do not want to be the man who then goes out and refuses to forgive his neighbor. Has your neighbor sinned against you? We ought to consider at first that many times we are offended by sins against us that are not sins at all. He stole my parking space. She sat in my pew. Does that space actually belong to you? Well, no, but I've been using it for years. And then at other times, when the actions of our neighbor against us are truly hurtful, we are often quick to assign motive. Not only did she hurt me, she did it intentionally. So it's true that many of the debts we feel are owed to us can be exaggerated or even imagined. But in Jesus's parable, the man is given the benefit of the doubt. His fellow servant owes him an actual sum. 100 silver coins is not nothing. It's a legitimate debt. This is not a perceived slight or an invented sin. His neighbor really and truly has sinned against him. How does the man respond? He starts out by following the example of his Lord. He goes and finds his fellow servant who owed him the debt. All right, let's not leave this hanging here. Let's get this resolved today. So far, so good. This is in keeping with Christ's command given immediately before this parable where he says, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. So when a fellow Christian has sinned against you, when he owes you a debt, Jesus does not tell you to ignore it or pretend that it doesn't exist. It's a real debt. 100 silver coins. So go to your brother and tell him what he owes. This is the example that our Lord sets at the beginning of the parable. He doesn't want compounding debts and festering sin and broken relationships among his servants. He desires to settle accounts immediately. And this is the desire that compelled Jesus to his cross. God wants to settle accounts. But what about you? When your brother sins against you, what do you do? Post about it on Facebook? Replay the conversation over and over in your mind? 
Go tell anyone who will listen except for the one who has wronged you. Lock them up in the prison of your mind, in your doghouse, so to speak. Or do you follow the words of Jesus? Go and tell your brother his fault between you and him alone. At least the man in the parable got this part right. He went out and found his fellow servant and said to him, pay what you owe. So far, so good. But what he does next completely abandons the merciful example of his master. Unlike our Lord, who earnestly desires to be merciful to wicked people who have sinned against him, this servant would rather leave the debt hanging. He wants to collect compound interest on what is owed. He's content to let the sin against him fester, unresolved. You want time? I'll give you time. Rot in prison until you've repaid every penny. The fellow saints of God's kingdom who saw this happen were greatly distressed. How could a man who had been forgiven everything turn around and refuse forgiveness to a fellow Christian? Who would do such a thing? I'll tell you who would. You would. I would. Look hard at this unforgiving servant and admit the truth of your debt. But for the grace of God, but for the work of the Holy Spirit in my life, that's exactly what I would do when my neighbor sins against me. In fact, we might say that at least the wicked servant went out and found his fellow servant and confronted him with his debt. Sometimes we have refused to do even that. Jesus says, he who is forgiven little loves little. From this, we can only conclude that the unforgiving servant who could not extend the love and forgiveness of Christ to his neighbor had not been forgiven much. But wait a minute, his master had forgiven him an astronomical debt. Yes, it's true. And this is true of every sinner who has ever lived. The blood of Christ was poured out for all the sins of all the sinners in all the world. Forgiveness is freely given to all. But all will not believe it. The wicked servant could not and would not hear the message of the gospel. Faith takes our Lord at his word when he says, your sins are forgiven you. But this man would not believe it. The words were spoken to him, but in his heart, he remained unforgiven. And as a result, he couldn't spare any love for his neighbor. How could he afford to go around forgiving small debts when he owed a great debt himself? Here we see that unforgiveness is the ultimate expression of unbelief. This is a warning to Christians. If a man cannot forgive, it is because he is refusing to believe how much God has already forgiven him.
And on the other hand, anyone who has looked full into the mirror of God's law and is horrified by the vast sum of his debt, anyone who then cries out for mercy receives better news than he could ever have imagined. We asked God to give us more time. And God responded in mercy beyond human comprehension. I desire to settle accounts now. For the sake of my son, I forgive you everything. And when God speaks, it is done. His pronouncement can never be earned or repaid. It can only be believed. And having heard and received this gift by faith, our Lord has made you able to forgive your debtors as you also have been forgiven. In the same way that unforgiveness is an expression of unbelief, so extending forgiveness to those who have sinned against you is an expression of your faith in Christ. He has forgiven you freely. And now you can't help but find your fellow Christian and give that same forgiveness away. Those who are forgiven much love much. In the name of Jesus, amen.